Welcome to the Harbor Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more information, visit us online at www.theharborli.com. I decided to do this talk kind of based on some feedback that I got last week. Um, we were talking about prayer. We looked at the Lord's Prayer and looked at some things that uh, Jesus points out when he gives us a model of how to pray. And, and one of the things that I had talked about last week was how Jesus really was intentional about giving us a mental picture of how we approach God when we pray. And um, after the service, I had several people come up to me, and they were really, even people that had been saved for a little while, and they were they were really um, mesmerized by that point and, and said, you know, I, I think even not intentionally, but I have maybe drifted into something else where I'm not picturing God as my father approaching him in prayer, but I've been viewing it in another way. And that mental picture is so important because it all starts there. And, uh, and it just got me thinking this week and praying um, about a talk that I've done in the past years ago, but that has always stuck with me. Something that several times in my life I have literally gone back to this mental picture and it has really helped me through some difficult and uneasy times in life. And so uh, tonight I've just entitled this talk, Stay in the Tray. Turn to your neighbor and say, Stay in the Tray. Turn to the other neighbor and say, Hey, you know the tray that I'm in? I'm staying in it. Come on, participate. Let's go. I mentioned tacos. I lost you guys already. It's ridiculous that just mentioning tacos one time, I lose you that quick. Stay in the tray. Stay in the tray. There's a, a passage in James chapter 1, uh, 2 through 4 that I want to read it to you because this is a little striking uh, how, how James put this. He says, consider it a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. You know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so that you become mature and well-developed. Somebody say well-developed. Not deficient in any way. In any way. Now, maybe you read through that pretty quick. Maybe you've heard that a bunch of times in your life, and you're like, okay, what's wrong with that? I don't know if you really got what he was saying, that he started this whole verse. He's actually starting his book out by saying, you should consider it a sheer gift when life stinks the most. You, you should be happy when tests and challenges and difficulties and hardships, they all come knocking on your door. You, you should be happy. You should actually consider that a gift. Like, James, what are you talking? If you want me to read the rest of your book, man, you shouldn't start it off like that. But, but James is being, he's talking so straight. He's putting it out there saying, no, no, you need to understand it and realize you should count it as a gift. Have you ever tried to, to fake like you liked a gift that you really didn't like? It is painful. It's so painful to watch. I've given gifts and had people look me in the eye and be like, oh, this is awesome. I see. I'm like, you're holding it upside down. You, you don't even, what are you talking about? I actually saw one time, have you guys ever seen those boxes that you can package the real gift inside a, a box that's like fake? It's, it's something stupid. I actually saw one time someone give somebody else the fake box of a coffee pot built into the shower head. And the person literally acted like they loved it. And I was like, this is so stupid. And then it was like, you know what? Forget it. It was supposed to be a joke. You ruined it. Just open up the gift. It's really hard to appreciate a gift that you don't understand. It's even harder to appreciate a gift that you don't feel like there's any 
purpose behind it. So when James is saying you should be able to consider it a gift when life throws some things at you, when life gives you some lemons, you should be able to understand and know that there is purpose behind it. There is purpose behind it. I want you to hear this tonight. This is the the main thing that we're going to be talking about, the main idea. The suffering that you grow through will bring you to where you're meant to be. But the suffering that you get through will leave you where you started. The suffering that you choose to grow through will actually bring you to where you're meant to be. But it's the suffering that you just get through that will leave you where you started. James is saying you can consider it a gift because God is doing something in you. It's not that this just, you know, the world hates you. You just have bad luck. You know, just another coincidence where something, no, no, no. You can actually look at it as a gift and know and trust that there's purpose behind it, that God is going to use this to grow me, to do something in me. How many people know you can't control everything that life throws at you? I think we're all smart enough to understand the difference between I'm reaping the consequences of my bad decisions And then the other times where it had nothing to do with me. I don't deserve this. I didn't do anything to bring this on myself. This just happened. We can't control everything in life, but the thing that you can always control is your mindset and perspective about what you face. The decision that you do always have is when life is throwing tests and challenges and hardship and suffering your way that you can say, you know what? I'm going to grow through this. You know what? I'm going to take this opportunity to not just be consumed and overwhelmed with what I'm facing, but I am going to believe God and take him at his word that he can actually use this for my benefit. The suffering that you grow through will bring you to where you're meant to be. Suffering, trials, challenges, man, this, this all just so, sounds so exhausting. It sounds so long and drawn out and overwhelming. It makes me just want to take a nap. I hate process. I hate waiting. I'm not good with patience, being honest with you. I don't like process. I just want to get there. And usually I'm pretty grumpy until I do. But you've heard it say this so many times, God is so much less concerned with the destination and more concerned with the journey. The process that you and I hate, the flaw in that is that the process is the point. Growth doesn't come when you just arrive, when you get to the destination. Growth happens on your way to the destination. You, you making the decision to say, I will grow through this, is what opens the door for God to begin to do what he needs to do in you so that when you do arrive and when you do get there, you're who you were created to be. It's a process. You know, this, this mental picture that I've been referencing was I, I heard years ago someone do a teaching on what the process of photography was like years ago. And it was so comical because, you know, nowadays we live with Instagram and Snapchat and, and all these things that are just right at our finger fingertips. And, you know, we're surrounded by a ton of people who think that they're just awesome photographers. You're not. You just happen to have an iPhone. Th- this, is, this, is, this is a Canon from 1978. Uh, specifically, this is a, uh, a Mark 14, 20 megapixel. I'm just kidding. I'm making all this up. Um, but this is from 1978. I got to be honest with you, I wouldn't even know where to start with this. 
I wouldn't know where to put the film. I wouldn't know how to do anything with this. But there was a day, there was a time before iPhones where a photographer not only needed to know the equipment that they were using, but the process to develop the photo after they actually took the photo. See, nowadays you think you got skills because you just pointed your phone, you clicked capture, you uploaded it, you threw a quick filter. You don't even know what Photoshop is. You just know you've memorized all the filters and which ones make you look good with your skin complexion. You can throw a filter on it, and then you know how to upload it to all of your social media streams at once. And you think you're nice. You're not nice. Your iPhone is nice. You just happen to know how to use it okay. I'm popping bubbles. That's what we're about here. We're popping bubbles one week at a time. Listen, it, it was an art to be a good photographer at one time. It still is. It still is for all the photographers in the room. But even more so, it was such an art to be able to come up to produce a, a nice photo, a good quality photo. And so maybe you're in here tonight and you don't even know what I'm talking about. I, wa I want to walk you through really quick what this process looked like. And, and I want to give you a mental picture as you leave this place tonight that when life does give you tests and challenges and, and you maybe go through some hardships or some suffering that you can think back to this, that you can look back to this and you can have the mindset, remind yourself, I'm going to choose to grow through this and not just get through this. So back in the day when somebody, uh, when a photographer would take a photo that was literally probably one of the easiest parts to the whole process. The, the developing the photo process then started after they took the picture. So you would start with something called a negative. And we're going to throw up a picture of this in case you don't know what a negative is. But it's basically a tiny little piece of film, which was a snapshot of, of the picture that you took. Now, this, this film, it was so important that you didn't just open the camera and undo the film and look at the negatives because if, if this film or this negative was exposed to light, it would be ruined immediately. So it needed to be kept in the dark. So a photographer would have to take their camera into a dark room where there was no light pollution and then open the film in there to protect and preserve the film. Once the negative was in hand, then a photographer would take this and put it in something called an enlarger, which would basically shine through the negative, and it would portray the image on a piece of photo paper. And they'd be able to scale it to whatever size they needed uh, at the time. Now, what would then happen is as the light was contacting the photo paper, there was a chemical transition that would begin to take place. There, the photo paper was covered with something called silver halide crystals. Wherever the light was touching these crystals, it would change to silver metal crystals. And so the, the trippy thing about this is at this step in it, if you were to turn the enlarger off, you were to turn the light off and look at the piece of paper, it didn't look any different than when you started. You couldn't see anything on the paper even though you projected the image on it. But there was an unseen image already there. There was a latent image already placed on that photo paper. So then what the photographer would do is he would, or she would bring it through a series of, of solutions and trays in order to develop this picture the right way. So the first tray that they would place this photo paper in was a developing solution. Tray number one was a developing solution. So this was a, a mixture of various chemicals that would react to the silver metal crystals that were on the paper in proportion to how much light was exposed through the negative, and it would begin to, to turn those crystals shades of black. And so the, the photographer had the ability to control the contrast 
not by a dial with their thumb on their phone, but by how long they would leave the paper in this solution. The longer they would leave it, the darks would get darker, and the contrast would be that much more on the paper. Now, this is the part in the process that maybe you've seen it in like an old crime show or something, and they're in the dark room, and you see the person, they're like agitating the photo. They're moving the photo around. It's not because they're bored and they're trying to rush the process. The reason why they would agitate the photo was because they were trying to make sure that every crystal that needed to be exposed to the solution was getting exposed to the solution. Anybody ever feel like there are times in life where you just feel like someone's agitating you? Someone's moving you around like, God, what is going on? I feel like there's a shaking taking place. There was this step in the developing stage that you need to agitate it to make sure that everything is coming to the surface that needs to come to the surface. Once that photographer, oh, you just wait. Once that photographer was happy with where the contrast was at, he would take the photo out of tray number one and he would place the photo in tray number two, which was called the stopping solution. Now, the stopping solution was uh, a mildly acidic solution that would basically halt the development process. It would counteract the developing solution because if that developing solution were to remain on the photo paper, it would just continue to develop to where the, the picture uh, would, would be ruined. So the stopping solution would put a halt to the developing process. Once it was in that tray, the, the appropriate amount of time, the photographer would then take it out of that tray and he would place it in tray number three, which was called the fixing solution. Now, the fixing solution would bring stability to the photo, and it would do it like this. It would make sure that that photo was protected going forward, that it wouldn't continue to be exposed. So any remaining silver halide crystals or silver metal crystals that hadn't reacted to the solution, it would clear off. So that going forward, when this photo was taken out of the dark room and it was being showed and it was being displayed, that light pollution wouldn't continue to develop it and cause the image to be clouded over or foggy or unclear. The fixing solution would get rid of all of the remaining stuff so that once that photo was done being developed, it wouldn't develop anymore and that the image would stay clear and stay vivid. Once it had been in this tray, uh, long enough, the, the photographer then would, would take it out. He would rinse it off with water, and then they would hang it up to dry. And the developing process at that point was completed. Now, as I just explained to you what each tray was about and every step of the process was about, I think you could probably understand why every step was necessary and why it was necessary to be in that exact order. If you were to shortchange any of those steps, or if you were to mix up the order, it's pretty obvious to you and I that we would not get a good finished result, a good outcome. Now, it's easy for you and I to see that talking about a physical photo, but then never really accept the idea that you and I are in a continual developing process. That, that you and I in life are continually being developed by God, or that's what we should be. That, that we are living a life of being transformed into his image. That, that I made the decision to lay my life down and to, to enter into this new life with Christ. And, and I'm accepting all that he has for me. And I'm laying down things that I used to hold on to. And I'm becoming the person that God created me to be. Now maybe tonight you're like, okay, you're inspiring me for a second. So yeah, sure, I, I'm being developed. But how do I leave here? 
and tomorrow morning when something happens or, or this week when something starts to fall apart, how do I maintain that attitude? How do I come back to this point of me saying, you know what, I need to remind myself that I'm in, I'm in the developing process. I, God's doing something in me. Well, I want to I wanna point out four different things to you, four things that you need to know in order to grow through the process. All right, does that sound good? That rhymed. One thing, first thing, I want you to write this down. You need to know that the darkness is for the protection and preservation of the picture. You have to understand that the darkness is actually protecting the negative. It's protecting the film. That, that, that the dark room is actually for the preservation of, of the picture. The photographer knows that if that film is exposed to light before it's supposed to be, it'll be ruined. Hebrews 5.9 says, speaking of Jesus, though he was God's son, he learned trusting obedience by what he suffered just as we do. The moment that you start to feel like you can't relate to God, come back to verses like this. No, no, no. Jesus was here as a human, and he can absolutely relate to, your, to what you're going through. Jesus learned trusting obedience by what he suffered just as we do. So Jesus did not learn trusting obedience because he was God's son. Jesus didn't learn trusting obedience because he was fully God and fully human. Jesus learned trusting obedience by what he suffered. By trials, by hardships, by difficult circumstances, and making the decision to say, God, I trust you. God, I trust you. That this is a process that you and I have to learn, that when difficulty comes, that we make the decision, God, I trust you. I trust that there is more than I can see. I trust that you are doing something. And God, I want to grow in this. You see, when, when you and I begin to doubt if there's purpose behind what we're going through, really what we're saying is, I'm doubting the goodness of God. Let's call it, let's call it what it is. If I'm doubting if there really is any meaning behind what I'm facing, if I'm doubting whether or not God wants to or is going to use what I'm facing, I'm doubting the goodness of God. Because God says, I use all things to work together for your good. I can use all things to grow you. I, I can use all things to bring you to where you're meant to be. I can use all things to bring you to, to who you're meant to be. Christine Kane, uh, I heard her say this years ago. It's always stuck with me. She said, can you trust more in what you know about God than what you know about your circumstance? See, too many people, we focus on the circumstance, and then we wonder why we can't trust God. Too many people, we are experts on what we're facing, and we never go back and remind ourselves of who God is and what God says. Suffering brings you to deeper levels with God. Su suffering begins to, to initiate a process of growth inside of you. When we make the decision, I can't worry about growing through anything right now. I just need to get through this. I just need to grip my teeth, put my head down, and just get through this season. You, in essence, are forfeiting the purpose behind what you're going through. Because God's word promises, I use all things. So you, in essence, can be self-sabotaging by just getting through something and not making the decision, the mental decision and perspective to say, God, I want to grow through this. God, help me. Help me to trust you. God, help me to have faith. Help me to have hope. 
I, I want to believe that you're doing something. God, help me to be there. You have to know that dark seasons aren't punishment. It's not because God fell asleep on the job, that God uses all things. A lot of times when you go through a dark situation, it's for your protection. It's for your preservation. It's because God is trying to bring you to a new place. God uses all things. Second thing you got to know is this. You got to understand that every tray has its purpose. Or every season of life has its purpose. James 1.3 says, you know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Don't try to run. Don't get out of the tray, I think is what James is trying to say. Don't, don't leave prematurely. So you can see that if that photo were to be taken out of any one of those trays prematurely, it would directly affect the outcome of the photo. The same should be true with you and I. When I try to just get out of the season that I'm in, I'm, I'm self-sabotaging what God is trying to work out inside of me. So I want to walk through these trays really quick and just bring some practical application. The first tray we talked about, the developing solution. There, there are times where when God is growing you, when God is bringing you through something, he is using your circumstance to bring things to the surface that you didn't realize were there. Just like it appears like the photo paper is blank, there's nothing. No, no, there's a latent image there. You may not be aware of it by looking at it at first glance, but there is something there. God will use circumstances and situations and trials and, and, and hardships and suffering at times to bring things to the surface that you need to be made aware of. Ulterior motives, selfish ambition, agendas, pride. All kinds of things that, that you and I maybe can go through life and we can never step back and evaluate the true state of our heart. God can use seasons like this to bring those things to the surface. He can also use seasons like this to bring things to the surface that you didn't know were there. Like passions and, and godly calling and giftings. You know, there was a season of my life early on when I was a teenager where you know, our, our church lost our youth leaders, and that was difficult for a lot of us. And, and it forced a few of us older ones to kind of step in and to, to help lead the youth group for a short amount of time. And what seemed like a very difficult season, and it was a painful season, I can look back now and realize it was that season when we were forced to either step up and help or not really have a youth group at the time that I began to say, wow, you know what, I'm kind of passionate about this. You know, I, I'm actually surprised at how much I care about this succeeding and moving forward and not crumbling and not falling off. And, and I, that was the season of my life which started to open my eyes. You know what? Maybe I feel called to youth ministry. That led me a year and a half later to make the decision to go down to Bible college to become a youth pastor. That God can use a season like this not just to identify the things that, that need to go, but the things that he's placed inside of you that you didn't know yet, but now he's saying, I'm bringing these things to the surface. I'm speaking to these things. I'm calling these things out at the moment. The second tray, the, the stopping solution, kind of slams the brakes on everything. I hate this tray. You know, th th this is the tray that you feel like you're gaining steam. You're gaining momentum. Things are starting to work out. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing success the way that I had envisioned it, or life is starting to pan out the way that I had hoped for. And then all of a sudden it's like, and you're like, what just happened? 
What's going on? You know, and it's so many times in this tray where God is putting on the brakes, not to just hold you back, but to ensure that you don't get ahead of him. That, hey, this isn't about your timing. This isn't about your will. This is about my will and my timing. And the safest place that you could be, the most blessed place that you could be is not out on your own. It's actually in the center of my will. So I'm okay with you going through a season of, of stopping the seeming progress to make sure that you stay in step with me. Because that is who I created you to be. You, you then get to this third tray, this, this fixing solution, which really just speaks to God working out the details in us. God, God taking us through a season where sometimes he's pointing out things to say, you know what? This could cause confusion in the image. Th- this could cause some blurriness. This could cause some fogginess. There are some things that we need to, that are, that are remaining that have been left behind, some things that are just lingering that we need to really just sweep it clean. We need, we need to, to get rid of. This is the tray that brings stabilization to the picture going forward. This is the season of life where God is calling you to a deeper level to say your life is now built on me, not on your circumstance, not on your financial security, not on that relationship that you finally got, not on that promotion that you just landed. No, no, no. I laid my life down so that your life can now be built on me. I am your stability. I am your foundation. It's in this season of life that God works out this deeper dependence that we are called to have on him. The third thing you need to know is that well-developed means that Christ is seen in us, not us seen in us. You know, you may be like, huh, that last tray, the fixing solution, I don't feel like my, I feel like I'm pretty clear. I feel like people know who I am. Well, this is, this is the tricky part, is that when, when the Bible talks about us being well-developed and not deficient in any way, it's not that you're living for your glory and for your fame, it's that you're living for God's glory and God's fame. It's so that when people see your life, they don't just see how good you are, they see how good God has been to you. That, that my life is a representation of God's grace and God's patience, that I'm a living testimony, I'm a living example of how good God is. That if God could do it for me, he could do it for you. That I I can testify, you can see throughout my history and through my marriage and through my kids and all of these things, that God is good, that God is faithful. James says in verse 4, he says, let it do its work so that you become mature and well-developed. See, when you know what the developer is after, it helps you to understand the process a little more. When, when, if you could step into the, the eyes and the mind of the photographer developing the picture and you know what they're picturing, the end result being, it would kind of help you to understand why the photo is being left in the tray for as long as it is. Why the process is what it is. Because you could see through the eyes of the developer what he's after. Paul says in 2 Corinthians, he says, Whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. For the Lord is the Spirit, wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. Not our glorious image. Not a self-portrait. Not a selfie. As we are changed into His glorious image. See, so many times the the problem of why life doesn't make sense at the moment is because this Christian walk is all about you and I dying to ourselves so that God can be seen in us. 
It's all about laying my life down so that I can pick up the life that he's called me to live. So that's not crazy why it's not making sense to you at the moment. That goes against every natural feeling and emotion and tendency that you would have. But it's the life that, that we are able to live through what Jesus has done for us. God isn't asking you to understand every season of life. There are, there are things that people have to walk through that I could never and would never try to explain. But God isn't asking you to understand every season of life. He's just asking you to embrace it. God doesn't ever say, yeah, you will have all the answers. God just says, you need to trust me. You need to have faith. You need to have hope. You need to take me at my word. Paul says in Philippians 1, he says, I'm convinced and sure of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will continue until the day of Jesus, right up to the time of his return, developing that good work and perfecting and bringing it to full completion in you. As I have the band come up, I just want to make you aware of this last thing, this fourth thing, and that is that in order to make a decision and have the mindset to grow through the process, you need to not focus on the development, but focus on the developer. You know, where frustration begins to creep in is when you and I are trying to gauge where we're at in the development process. When you and I begin to gauge our process, our development, our stopping, our fixing, all of these things off of where somebody else is. And God is saying, hey, I'm walking you through your journey, and I'm walking them through their journey. Nowhere am I asking you to compare yourself to them. So you're just bringing frustration and confusion into the mix that really doesn't need to be there. If you want to be able to protect this mindset and hold on to this mindset, we have to fix our eyes on the developer and not get so hung up and worried about where we're at in the development process. See, it's, it's not about where you're at in the process. It's about who's bringing you through it. And this is what gives you freedom from this trial forward, from this season forward. Because life isn't perfect. There will be more things. When you get through this thing, good news, there gonna be, there's going to be something else. Okay? But seriously, here is the good news. When I'm not worried about where I'm at in the process, I'm just worried about who's bringing me through it. He's the God who never leaves me or forsakes me. So guess what? It doesn't matter how this one pans out or when it pans out, and it doesn't even really matter what the next one is, because the thing that is consistent, that will always be there, that will always, that I can have faith in, is that God is bringing me through it, that I can count it as a gift, that God, whatever I face, you're going to use, you're going to be there with me, and you're going to make me better for going through it, that there is purpose behind everything. Hebrews 12 says, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes, putting our focus on the developer, on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning at shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. You know what brings you to a place of weariness real quick? Gauging where you're at. Comparing yourself to somebody else. That just makes you want to give up. That makes you start to doubt and question the goodness of God, the faithfulness of God. That brings everything into question. But the Bible says if you can fix your eyes on Jesus, 
who went through things that you and I will never have to go through, actually did it on our behalf. You won't grow weary and you won't lose heart. That your faith and your confidence is built on his life and his sacrifice and everything that he's done for you and I. I want to ask you to stand tonight as we get ready to close. We have a prayer team that's standing along the back, or they're about to be standing along the back that, you know, they would just love an opportunity to encourage you tonight. And so if you're going through anything, maybe you know somebody who's going through something and it's kind of weighing heavy on you. You know, our prayer team back there would love to just encourage you, listen to you, pray with you, be a support for you. So at any point, as soon as we start this song, you're welcome to to just make your way back there, and they'd love to just pray with you tonight. But for the rest of us, you know, maybe maybe you're in a really easy season of life right now. Maybe things are convenient, things are comfortable. That's awesome. We're happy for you. We low-key hate you, but we're happy for you. Just kidding. Just kidding. But maybe you're also here tonight, and you're like, man, life really hurts at the moment. It stinks. I'm in process. I'm in pain. I'm in suffering. I'm getting tried. You know, I just, this is... This is difficult. You know, I want to challenge you and ask you tonight, will you make the decision to say whatever this process looks like and however long it lasts, I will make the decision to control what I can control. I will grow through this process. God, whatever it looks like, however long it takes, just just grow me. Develop in me what needs to be developed. Fix in me what needs to be fixed. Stop in me what needs to be stopped. Clear out what needs to be cleared out. God, I I want all the purpose behind this season. I want to embrace it. I don't need to understand it. I just want to embrace it. Hey, if you're here tonight, you just say, I need some help with that. I need some encouragement with that. That's where I'm at. I need that. I just want to ask you to raise your hand. I just want to pray with you tonight. I want to agree with you that God is going to meet you where you're at. Jesus, we just thank you tonight that you are not a distant, far off, unrelatable God, but you are a God that we can relate to. God, you, you are a God that we can look to so that we don't grow weary, so that we don't lose heart, so that we not only have your word and your promises, but we've seen by your actions that you are faithful, that you are true, that you are always there for us. So God, we come to you tonight and we ask, God, give us the supernatural strength to make the decision in the tough times of life. God, I want to grow through this. God, I want to be developed. God, I don't want to be deficient in any way. God, I want people to see you in me more than they see me in me. I don't want to live a life that just brings attention to myself or glory to myself. But God, I want people to see you in me. God, if you could use me, I want to be used. God, we thank you that you promise that you use all things, all seasons, all circumstances, all trials, all difficulties, all suffering, all pain, all grief for my good for my benefit. God, we ask you tonight, grow us, develop us, teach us, mold us in who you want us to be. We love you. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to today's message. If you would like to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus today, visit us online at www.theharborli.com backslash next step.